We're here from Bringing Up Book Lovers. Today, homeschooling veteran and author Phyllis Wheeler and currently homeschooling parent Sarah Bogle are here to talk to you about Ragweed and Poppy by Avi. Um, you may know, I'm sure you know Avi, but um, this is a book in, um, in a series about this, this character named Ragweed, who is a, a mouse. So um, Phyllis, do you mind giving a little summary of the book? Sure. So Ragweed is one of these characters in the long tradition of the rambling man. He's out just out rambling around for adventure or whatever comes up, you know. So he starts having, uh, in this book, some adventures related to uh, a baby raccoon and his mother. And uh, so it, the raccoon is uh, with, somehow got up into this freight car where um, Ragweed is uh, heading out from wherever he was before. And uh, so Ragweed decides, well, you know, I do have to help him. So he helps him. And then uh, they find, Ragweed finds himself in the same forest where the little raccoon lives uh, pretty soon. And um, he, he hears a little cry for help. And uh, he discovers a mouse stuck in a trap. Well, he's a rambling man, but he doesn't really have anything pressing to do. So he decides <laughs> to help the mouse. <laughs> so this uh, story, this whole book really is about what happens next. You know, like, how's he going to help the little mouse in the trap? And what, what are the developments after that? You know, like... Uh, there's a whole bunch of um, endearing characters. This Avia is very good at um, pulling your heartstrings with these little critters. Mm -hmm. He's good at it. Um, so what were some of the, the themes that came through in the book? Well, uh, being willing to stop and help someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you call that? Altruism or... Um, good Samaritanism. Good, good Samaritanism. Uh, and uh, well, being brave, you know, he ends up doing um, things that really kind of make him pretty scared, like crossing a brook, which for a mouse is, you know, <laughs> a bridge. You know, what are you going to do? So, uh, and there's a snake. Mm -hmm. So he manages not to totally freak out with the snake. And you know what? He actually helps the snake. Yeah, he does. The snake's trying to shed his skin. And uh, 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 Ragweed gives him a hand. Okay, so, okay, themes, right? Yeah, so uh, bravery uh, is a theme. And... Um, yeah, and there's there's a bunch of so Poppy comes from a clan of mice who live in this tumble down old house, and they, except for Poppy, are afraid to leave it. So they're so 
Ragweed goes over there and asks him to send some people over to help get Poppy out. And they're all just like trembling in their boots about even leaving their house, much less crossing the brook and crossing the meadow. And oh, there might be snakes. And well, it turns out there are a few of them that um, have enough courage to uh, to do it. But it's really quite a high contrast between these little frady mice mm -hmm. and uh, the necessary pluck that is needed for this task of springing Poppy out of the trap. Character development for the little, the little animals? Um, well, uh, Ragway definitely goes through a character arc here because he goes from being a rambling man with his face set outward, moving on, to somebody who wants to maybe stick around a little bit, hang out on this with Poppy's clan a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, that's something. Yeah. I haven't read any of the previous Ragweed and Ragweed books, although my daughter read the original Ragweed book and she really liked it. So there were some, you know, missing missing pieces for me like he has he wears an earring and i was wondering where the earring came from which yeah was that's not explained why yeah an ear? um yeah so it'd be interesting to you know think about his character throughout the whole series at some point after we finish um reading them so yeah and i thought one of the other things that was that i liked about his character and the development of his character was him as a leader um when he was trying to assemble the, that little group of mice to go help Poppy. Um, I mean, he wasn't like, you know, a general or anything, but he was in charge and he was, he was trying to mobilize these guys and in some ways inspire a little bit and encourage them. So I thought that was kind of a cool. Good point. Cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, how about any memorable scenes or which were the most memorable scenes? Well, there's a couple that are actually pretty funny. <laughs> so, so he's got this little troop of, you know, like eight or nine mice who are going to go rescue Poppy. And mostly they're uh, not the bold type. They're just little, little, little guys, but they love Poppy and they want to help. So, uh, he, so that you remember I told you this snake had shed his skin uh, with the help of ragweed. And so ragweed knows where the skin is. So he fetches it and um, he dresses up these, he, he, he chews a, a hole in the bottom of it. And he, he uh, asks uh, the little parade of mice to carry the snake skin over their heads. It sort of looks kind of like a, uh, Chinese dragon in a festival parade, you know. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And then there's another scene where these, so in this tumble down old house, there's some people coming through. They're interested in buying it, maybe fixing it up. And at one point, one of them opens a, uh, <laughs> a closet door and there's like 45 mice staring up at them. 
funny. So there are some funny scenes here. Yeah. The, the snakeskin one was definitely, in my mind, the most memorable as well. I think there's a picture of it, too. There's a few illustrations. Yeah, it's illustrated, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but even, even without the illustration, it was just a funny, a funny passage there. I enjoyed that one. Yeah. Um, what do you think about capturing what it feels like to be the main character? Yeah, definitely. We're, we definitely feel feel what he's feeling, which is just a wide mixture of emotions as the story goes by. But, you know, just wanting to see the world, see what's going on. Being irritated by this little mm -hmm. raccoon that has needs, you know, and they go, oh, all right, I'll help you. And uh, <laughs> so it's a good thing he did because that uh, is one of the keys to solving a huge problem at the end of the book. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> he, he definitely has a an interesting personality. I didn't, like, I wouldn't have thought about the term the rambling man, but since you said it, I was like, yeah, he, he really is. He definitely has that little bit carefree and, you know, hard to tie down kind of kind of guy. Even his speech is, is, sounds, you know, carefree. It's fun to read, so. I'm looking forward to reading it out loud to my kids after we finish the book we're currently on. Um, about overall likes and dislikes? I can't think of any dislikes. Yeah, me neither. Uh, there is that one unanswered question. Why does he have an earring for people like us who haven't read the other books? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's definitely symbolic. Yeah, there is one scene where I think when he was captured, maybe it was a human, I think, that saw him and they're like, what is that in his ear? I think it's an earring. Why does he have an earring? It was, it was funny, too. <laughs> um. All right. Last question. Um, anything potentially controversial for homeschoolers in this book? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a really good little animal tale Yeah. of, of uh, altruism and taking care of others and even when you don't want to <laughs> yeah is that is that what you think um because when I asked you via text earlier you know how you like the book and you said it was not a typical mouse tale it's not a you know you, the usual anthropomorphized animal story is that what you meant by like the themes of it Maybe you don't remember me asking. Uh, no, I do remember that. No, it just doesn't. Uh, he seems a, uh, he seems very real to me, but he seems to be a mouse. I mean, he's got mouse thoughts. Mm. He doesn't have human thoughts. You know, a lot of these, well, stories, especially for young children, they'll have a a mouse or other animals that, well, they're basically really humans, you know. Yeah. Wearing animal clothing or something. <laughs> So, uh, but these, you know, he's, he's got mouseish thoughts, but, uh, and it, oh, it's so funny, that little raccoon, you, you see into the thoughts of the little raccoon once in a while, and he is, well, he, he acts like he's like, you know, in terms of a, a, a human child, maybe just barely able to talk, or maybe a little bit more than that, but he certainly has zero understanding of the world. And he keeps wandering away from his mother and then coming to grief <laughs> and wondering what what's wrong? Where's mom? 
<laughs> hey, where's Ragweed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, it's delightful the way uh, the author got into the head of that little raccoon. <laughs> yeah, he was a funny character. And he was right there really close to the beginning too. So it was yeah. fun to read about him from the start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to talk to Avi, like the famous Avi, the real one, in just a minute. So stick with us. Yeah. <clears throat> and where are you located? Uh, St. Louis. St. Louis. Okay. And you are in? Way up in the Rocky Mountains. About oh. feet up. In the middle of a forest. Oh, and Nice. Well, it's very smoky around here because we have a fire, a oh. forest fire about 15 miles away. And uh, we live in a forest, so that's always problematical. Oh, wow. Well, so we need to ask you some questions here. So uh, first of all, our big question about this book is, where did the earring come from? Because neither one of us has read your other poppy book, rag, ragweed books. Well, there is a sequence of seven books. And it starts off with the title called Ragweed. And uh, it concerns a mouse who leaves his home and goes to a city and he becomes engaged with a whole group of city mice. And when he leaves, they give him a gift of an earring. And that earring uh, pops up uh, in every one of the books. And at the, the last book, which is called uh, Poppy and Aerith, it also plays a particularly significant role uh, in terms of what happens in the whole story. But the seven books are interconnected. Uh, you can read them alone individually, but I think it's much more fun if you read them sequentially. Mm. And any number of teachers read, so I'm told, uh, they spend a year reading all seven books. So, which sounds fun to me. So where does this one fall? It's obviously not the last book. No, that's the the books were not written in sequence. Uh, right. Yeah. And that is the second in the second sequential saga. Mm -hmm. So first he goes to the city, and then in this one he goes to the country. Well, he, he, leaves, he leaves the small city and goes into the country, and that's where he meets the other mouse named Poppy, and that continues on. And then the third book is Poppy, and so forth and so on. It just continues on. Yeah, so Poppy has an interesting personality. She, uh, uh, in what way? Well, she ventured far away from that house that they were, she and her clan were living in. Everybody else is afraid to go outside, but she, you know, just likes to dance or something, and she ends up right. um, dancing into a trap. Right, right, right. Well, that, that's what happens, and, and uh, 
that's where Ragweed meets her, and then he tries to get her out of the trap and goes to her home and enlists a whole group of her friends and relatives. And then in the course of the story, he gets into the trap and and the whole situation becomes reversed. And it's uh, at the end of the book, it's a bit of a circus. Everybody getting into everyone else's way and so forth and so on. It's just fun. Yeah, it is fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so let's talk about your your long writing career. So, have you? How did you get started on in children's books? Well, I was in high school when I made up my mind to be a writer. And my early writings, I was trying to be a playwright. I was raised in New York City. So I wanted to be a Broadway playwright, of course, and I embarked upon a, a failed career as a playwright and uh, went to college, at, eventually at the University of Wisconsin. Came back to New York and uh, was not getting anywhere with the playwriting, really. And I had writer friends who were encouraging me to shift the focus of my writing. And as that happened, I had kids of my own and I began to read to them. Uh, and uh, I had set in particular, uh, I made up a whole bunch of stories for my eldest son. I eventually wrote them down and that was that, that those stories became my first book called things that sometimes happen which was published in 1970 and i enjoyed the experience of writing and i basically said to myself oh this is what i want to do and from then on i continued writing for young people and at first i was writing as it were for my own kids and so the books began to move up and level and then uh, I wrote a novel called No More Magic. And that really gave me pleasure. And I just continued that. And that's really what happened. So I've been really writing and publishing for more than 50 years. So. That is a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful body of work you have. It's a lot. A lot. <laughs> So what's your favorite book that you've written? Well, you know, I have a lot of kids. It's, it's like you were to ask me which of my kids is my favorite. Oh. I don't have one. Don't but there are certain things I like about them. This one does that. This one does this. So it's the same for the books. I don't have one favorite. I mean, there are 82 books. I couldn't pick one. But some of them, I think, are better than others. And some of them, uh, I enjoyed writing more than others. So, But I don't have a favorite. Uh, my standard answer, to be honest, is uh, it's the book I'm working on. I want that to be the best. And it helps if you think it's going to be the best book. Now, uh, 
as it happened this week, I started a new book. So is that my favorite? It's pretty bad at the moment, but we'll get, we'll get there. Where do you get your ideas for for your books? I'm, I'm particularly thinking about Crispin because I just read it a couple months ago for the first time. It was the, it's the first book of yours that I've read. And um, I loved it, not just for homeschoolers, historical fiction is just like a gold mine because if it's well-written, it's, you just learn so much. But um, I just, even the research, I imagine that you did to figure out these characters. I, I just, I, I was wondering how, how you were inspired to write it or to look into this um, part of history into you know, these kinds of people. Well, what's, what's the name of that book again, Sarah? Crispin. Crispin. Crispin across the left. That's the Newbery book. Um, ah, yes, Crispin. Right. Like, there, there are a number of threads that create a book like that. First of all, from, a very, from my teenage years, just because I loved it, I liked to read history. And I still read history. And when I was in college, I majored in history. And the, I won't tell you that it's the politics of history that interests me, it's the stories in history. And uh, I love them. Now, it so happened I was listening to a lecture about the Middle Ages. And um, I just thought, oh, this is really fascinating and I need to write about this. So it's not very complicated, but I, one of the things about history, the more you read in history, the more history is accessible to you because everything ties together. Mm -hmm. And uh, I read in particular American history and British history. Of course, they're connected. So anyway, it just, I mean, my family jokes about how much irrelevant facts I know, <laughs> just because I read a lot of history and, and I'm more apt to share it when they don't want it than not, you know. Did you know that and so forth? Oh, there he goes again. And, uh, but that becomes part of the book. So I've, I've just finished the book about the American Revolution and it tries to tell the story in a very different kind of way. Uh, every country has myths about their own history and they embed certain ideals and beliefs. And the American, American history is no different and the story of the American Revolution is no different. And while we think of it as a kind of unified attempt to seek independence from England. In fact, a very large, about a third of the population was opposed to the revolution. So this is a book about a family and a boy in particular who starts out not in favor of the revolution and how that's handled and so forth. And, and the whole role of enslaved peoples during the American Revolution. We, when you learn in school about the American Revolution, about 20% of the population were, were black and enslaved. 
and you know you hear almost nothing about their role in the American Revolution, and it's fairly complicated, but it's really fascinating, and so forth and so on. So I'm writing about all of that stuff, and that's a book that's coming out next year, early on, and it just interests me. So I write about it, and I'm lucky enough that I I can do that. So when you've chosen an idea like that, okay, I'm going to set it in the American Revolution. Do you come up first with your characters or with your plot? Well, in that particular context, it it's, was the plot, but very quickly it becomes the plot as told and experienced through one, one boy. Um, what, talk a little bit about that book, which is called Loyalty, by the way. It, in many ways, the American Revolution was a civil war. And um, there was a lot of violence from both sides. And uh, so this, the story begins with a, a man who was killed because he's in favor of of the monarchy and he is killed by what we would call patriots, sons of liberty. Well, how does that work? And so forth. And it gets, goes from there. Not, not a simple story. Right. Must've been interesting to research. Yeah. You know, history is really interesting. But as I say, I mean, I've been reading history and American history for many, many years. So I was able to do that. Did you go to find some original sources like diaries and things? Well, yeah, these days uh, I used to, before I could make a living as a writer, I was a librarian. Oh. I used to teach students how to do research. So research is, is not a very complicated thing for me. It's it's much easier than people think. Um, so, I mean, for example, I just mentioned I'm starting a new book. So the first thing I do when I sort of commit myself to a book, the librarian in me begins to assemble a library. So I've already acquired through one way or another about 40, 50 books about the subject. Okay, it's just not that complicated. <laughs> okay, it's just not that complicated. <laughs> um, I would be really interested to read your American Revolution book, in part because you have a, a boy as a main character. We've had a, a hard time finding boy main character books because we're looking at books that have been recently published. Um, right. So was that was that difficult for you at all to to get a book that has a main character that's a boy going? in the publishing industry, not for writing. Absolutely not. It didn't even come up as a question. Okay. I'll probably just publish whatever you want to write, I think. Yeah. You know, I've, written, I've written three books about the American Revolution. One is called The Fighting Ground. And also the, the protagonist is a boy. Then there's a book called Sophia's War. The protagonist is a girl. And this one, loyalty, the protagonist is a boy. So there you go. Yeah. 
Great. So uh, is there any, do you see any trend in your body of work? Like you tend to write middle grade, you tend to write for boys, you tend to, I don't know, whatever it might be. Um, I just finished the book. Some years ago, I wrote a book called The Secret School. The Secret School, which by the way, is very popular in the homeschool world is a story set in Colorado in the 1920s. And it's about a one room schoolhouse. And uh, the story is that uh, the teacher in the one room schoolhouse has to leave. And the kids don't wanna shut the school down. So they elect one of their own fellow students, a 14 year old girl named Ida to become the teacher. And they try to keep this school going secretly. And uh, it's a good story. So it's a secret that it's a school or it's a secret that there's no teacher? Both. Both. So the kids (laughs) run this school themselves with this 14-year-old being the teacher. Is that a true story? Probably, but I, I, I invented it. Anyway, the new book is, and one of the reasons that they keep this school open is that Ida, who's 14 years old, wants very much to go to high school. And uh, in order to do that, she has to, as was the case in those days, she had to pass an exam. So that, that's the, why the school is kept open by these kids. So she can take her an exam. And this new book is how she goes to high school. So, so and it's, it's called, uh, I don't know if they'll keep the title, but the title at the moment is Secret Sisters. And uh, it's about her experience from a very rural environment. This is 1925. Mm-hmm. She goes into a small town high school and so forth. So it was fun to write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. So what does your family think of your writing? Are they supportive? Oh, sure. They're better. (laughs) They don't have much choice, do they? So you haven't had any major conflicts in your writing career for a long time? You mean in terms of family? Oh, I don't know. Just anything like publishing, houses. I don't know. Anything. Publishing is... um, complex business. Um, I've had it pretty easy. I've always been able to publish pretty much what I want. And my working relationship with many editors has been on the whole positive. Sometimes they're disputes, but they're not really disputes. They're just discussions about how to go forward and so forth and so on. So that's, that's never been a real problem for me. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, thanks for especially. I didn't realize that this was the second sequentially in the series because my daughter finished this one on her own and she loved it. And I was like, oh man, it's going to be such a long time before she can read this one, thinking that this was the most recently published. But I can just give this to her right now and she can read it since it's the second one. Um, 
I like that because with the Narnia books, there's always this controversy about whether you should read The Magician's Lucky Last because it was written last and it's my favorite one. So I gave it to my kids first. Anyway, <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, next time you're in the library, go read Ragweed first and then you can get Ragweed and Poppy, which is a funny book. It's a funny book. Um, Phyllis and I both really enjoyed it and laughed out loud while reading it and your kids will too. So thank you. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.